Welcome to the Omnibus Press podcast, in which we talk to musicians and writers about music and writing. Today's episode is a conversation between Kid Congo Powers and Barry Adamson. Kid Congo Powers' brand new memoir, Some New Kind of Kick, is out on Omnibus Press and Hachette. Described by Mark Lanigan as an instant classic of sex, drugs and punk rock, it explores Kid's experiences as a young queer Mexican-American through his membership of three beloved groups, The Cramps, The Gun Club and Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Barry Adamson's memoir, Up Above the City, Down Beneath the Stars, published by Omnibus last year, was described by the writer and cultural critic David Quantic as one of the best music autobiographies ever written. Propelled into punk with magazine, Barry was a founding bass player in The Bad Seeds, and his acclaimed solo albums include the Mercury-nominated Soul Murder. And membership of The Bad Seeds is one of many curious parallels between the pair. Joining Barry and Kid for a wide-ranging conversation is host Pete Astor, a singer, songwriter, lecturer and musician, known for his work in Creation Records' indie band The Weather Prophets, among much else. Pete's latest solo album, Time on Earth, was released on October 7th via To Pete Records. Just so you're aware, whilst discussing the terrible racist abuse he has suffered as a person of colour, Barry relays some of the explicit terms that he and other folks have had to endure. Now, over to Pete. Good, lovely to see you. So I really enjoyed both your books. Um, it was fantastic. And, it, and I loved the parallels. I mean, as, as I'm sure you're both aware, like there was, there was so many kind of like, so many differences, but also so many parallels. I suppose initially, sort of, how did you get to know each other? Or how do you know each other? <laughs> well, it's hard, it's hard to know. <laughs> um, there's a few possibilities. Mm. Um, because I remember seeing magazine in Los Angeles and I remember being at a house party at you, that you, the band showed up. It was at the, the Screamers house in, in uh, Los Angeles. And it was, you know, post, maybe you played at the whiskey. I think there was, yeah, three, three nights at the whiskey. The whiskey go-go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it was after one of the nights of the whiskey and, uh, you know, as you would have, you would have gone to a party if someone invited yeah. you. And so I don't know if we actually met then, but I was in attendance of that party and those concerts. Wow, that's great. That's really early on. I mean, uh, yeah, I was. I I I kind of remember us almost like passing by. We we, we talked before we the cameras were rolling, as it were, and. Uh, no, of course the parallels are, are are astounding, and you know whether it, whether it's just like in a spooky way, like our lives were sort of destined to 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 cross each other and run in parallel and drift apart and come back together again to this day. So perhaps we've always had each other in our sights in some way, in some kind of. Uh, I find yeah. it in a kind of an empathetic way because, like from kids' book, I got a lot of like, you know, the, some of the things I were, were, you know, was trying to get at in, in, in the way and the, the humility and, and the, the the joy of being involved in music. You know, mm-hmm. trying to sort of tread a more bleak path and still try and get that across as well. But I think we were, I think we were always on a, on similar paths. I mean, it's it's eerie. You know, it's downright spooky. That's what I think. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, when I was reading your book, um, you know, especially even childhood, yeah. everything, you know, yeah. um, the cinema, Phil, Phil cinema, the cinema yeah. you know, and I we almost we almost describe it exactly, exactly like our, our experiences. Yeah. yeah. And I, I also see, you know, the similarity in holding grief and trauma together. Mm -hmm. You know, to try and forward ourselves in our kind of way of of because we're both kind of you know, light-hearted people in some way. I know we have darkness yeah. <laughs> running, swirling around, <laughs> but there's a there is a core a, a, of that, and I, I and I, it's like that thing of not being able to express grief. You know, and I I wrote that in my yeah. way, and you wrote that in your way, and, and I really resonated with you know what happened to you with 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 Teresa and like where you went from that and and just layers on upon layers of, of trauma and grief like stacking up and then the use of drugs to push it all down you know yeah the parallels with, and then then the music comes through again and we're off you know we're, it's, yes. another store, it's another you know it's another sort of meeting with another musician who gives us a bit of like well hey well why don't you try this or why don't you do this you know and then we go forward again it's incredible yeah, it, it, it was a really, really incredible parallels. And um, yeah, the, the trajectory of our, it's actually, you know, starts out with fandom, really, and love and mm -hmm. passion for, for, the, yeah. for music, yeah, yeah. cinema. It's, it's always there and it's handed down from our older sisters. Yeah. It's handed, exactly. it's our, our, you know, and it's handed down from people we met, meet, and, and, you know, for, for myself, and it seems with Barry, I was pretty single-minded about that music was going to be the communicative uh, you know, conduit to uh, propel ourselves into uh, communicating. I, I often refer to it as a call to arms as well. Like punk seems mm -hmm. to just say, okay, stop everything you're doing. Stop everything you're thinking about. Don't worry about anything else but this. This is your call yeah. now. And and the, the same for you, kid, I, I know from reading your book, you know, it's like, but I don't play anything. And it's like, well, don't worry about that. And then, a, you know, a sequence of events which can only be described as almost like gifts from somewhere make that exactly. possible, you know. You know you, and, and I think sometimes that passion and that the fire for that is the thing that brings, I guess, I guess, you know, today's kind of viewpoint of that is like you manifest to these things but i think we was we certainly had to sort of manifest the idea of playing something when you don't play exactly you know and the idea then as exactly well, at that point is that you can't really play unless you've got like a grade whatever in certain you know music uh, my parents were in disbelief they were like what do you mean you're joining a band you don't play music. exactly. You know, I go, well, I've got this bass, and they go like a bass. What? What do you know? About? And I was like, don't worry, just uh, trust me. I'll leave college. <laughs> trust me. You know. Yes, exactly. And and things happen quite fast for both of us. You know, we just we picked up our instruments, and then ten minutes later, we were making records. Exactly, you know? and traveling the world, and, and with yeah, with people of note that. The, you know, the mainstream of the time kind of established, you know, that they were established in some kind of peripheral mainstream already, you know, like we, everyone knew that, you know, people we were working with and, and joined forces with were the real deal. It wasn't like just messing around, you know, and, we, and they, they were equally as forceful about that passion. Mm. I mean, I, lo I love in both the books, those little moments, like the, the queue for the gig, 
for you, kid, and the phone yeah, call. Yeah. Because you're you, that that those moments went differently. But I love the thought that if you never made that phone call, if you'd never been in that queue, you know, tell tell us about those those moments. Yeah, you know, well, mostly, you know, it was that I met Jeffrey Lee Pierce in in the queue for uh, a Para Ubu concert at the Whiskey A Go Go, someplace I would never imagine I would end up on a stage at um, at the time. And I was, you know, not a musician. I was a fanzine writer or a Ramones fan club president. I was like wild, a wild fan, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, and um, when I was said earlier about being single minded about music, it was like, I wanted the Ramones to be the biggest band in the world. You know, that was my mission at the time, you know, and, um, but I met Jeffrey Lee Pierce and, um, and in, a, in line for Para Ubu, and we just struck up a friendship in line and uh, drinking out of a brown paper bag, some liquor of some sort, who knows. And um, by the end of the conversation, Jeffrey had said, you're going to be in a band with me. <laughs> and that was kind of it. And I said, I don't play anything. He said, that doesn't matter. And, uh, and then I knew that to be true because of the times. Because a lot of other people were just picking up instruments and making it happen, you know. And uh, but um, but yeah, it it it's that just snow, you know, snowballed. It just started a trajectory of you know onward and onward and onward, you know, and um, and it was a a matter of just saying, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, you know, it wasn't like I had to even think about it, you know, even for a minute. I was like, oh, and it was also someone else's belief in me, you know, they were like, you can do this. You have the charisma or you have the whatever, you know, you're, you're, you're a rock star already, you know, <laughs> just, uh, just do it. And, um, you know, of course I didn't have that view of myself, but, um, but other people did. And, and that, and that is what, um, led to, uh, such good fortune and, and such a, you know, and, and stuff that I believed in myself in one way. And I was like, Oh, here we go. I'm off. I'm learning. I'm doing this. Hey, look, I made, I put my hand there and I made a, a song and, uh, you know, here's my, my song. <laughs> and, uh, and so the, this kind of thing, um, I never had belief in myself, though. This is, you know, we're getting deeply psychological. Probably at a time I was not thinking about anything. I was just moving forward at like 200,000 miles an hour. Um, you know, people people from who were on the first wave of punk, we were moving, things were moving so fast, so fast. And people were picking up instruments and and stuff was happening, you know, and maybe stuff wasn't happening for some, but everyone was doing something, you know, it was just like, do it, like, don't think about it, just do it, you know. I mean, if I wanted to write about music or be a fan club president, why would I not end up in a band? If I knew, and a, a record collector and a, 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 a complete music nerdy fan, you know. But I didn't think it was possible in my... um in the 70s pre-punk time because you know rock stars were untouchable they were 
in dark glasses and behind a limousine window. And um, they were, uh, you know, maybe you get a glimpse of them coming out of backstage and maybe you could thrust a piece of paper forward and get an autograph. And they would, you know, hurriedly do that while they were bundled off into their limousine. And, um, you know, when punk, you know, most notably for me, like Patti Smith or the Ramones or Blondie came out, um, you know, they were play the show and we be waiting for to thrust our piece of paper at them and they would just come out and start talking to the audience and saying like where can we go to buy records you know where's the thrift store where's you know and 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 that was a completely mind-blowing idea you know that the that wall came down you know yeah so um all all of that led to uh the moment I got to pick up a guitar, you know. Yeah, yeah. Very, very similar, striking parallels again. Um, absolutely the same thing of uh, coming from and living a limited self-belief about doing anything outside of what the family can see, their vision, you know, which I think is was part of the punk kind of core to arms, which said generally every nobody can play we're all picking up instruments for the first time come on we're coming past your house today <laughs> get, go and get on board you know and um i think i i struggled a little bit with with the, that limited self-belief because i had to make i'd seen this thing from how devoto who was uh looking for people to be in a new uh, a band and i i was such a fan of buscocks i was such you know i was like in awe of every word every gesture every note you know the the the, the speed of the song i mean everything you know and I, so i had this thing of like that almost stopped me you know and if and if it wasn't for the people around me going go on you can do this. what 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 are you doing you know come on this is what you want you know you're gonna, you're going to be great you know and all this sort of stuff that that sort of pushed me because like you know kid i had this you know, this very much in the in the seventies. I think, like I say in the book, I, I'd been to see Led Zeppelin in London, you know, a few months before, and like they had the PA kind of in chains hanging from the roof, you know, and they were they were untouchable. There was no way you were going to, and there were like these four little dots on the stage, you know, <laughs> four little long haired dots on the stage, kind of thrashing away. I mean, it was amazing at the same time, but that's what it was, you know, that that was the distance that you had on the thing. You know, you go and see the buzzcocks and they're sat at the bar next to you and you're thinking like, oh my God, you know. And then they just get up from the bar and walk on the stage and pick up guitars that are sawn in half and just start making this racket, this joyous racket. And it put all of that, I think, just, just quells that idea of a limited self-belief and, you know, compels you to just, well, it compelled me to just go for it, even if, you know, I could only play. I had this bass with like two strings on, Went to buy the other two strings, got the you know answered the advert, sat up all night playing low E, boom, 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 and that was the song that was presented the next day. Was the light pours out of me, which only required bottom E, boom, 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 and I was in, and it was like so fortuitous and so kind of you know, I could even see for me that it was meant to be, despite this limited self belief thing going on all the time, and like Kid said, you know, very quickly things were moving. You know, we were in a rehearsal room, then signed to Virgin within like, a, it seemed like a couple of weeks and we were going out to play, you know, that people were coming and people were reading about, you know, and it was all very, 
fortuitous at the time. And the next thing, I'm a I'm pl- I'm a bass player, you know, who hasn't picked up an instrument before. So that's how I got going. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love, and again, that's another massive parallel which which fits with the punk thing you're talking about of the way. I mean, Kid uses the word misfit. And you can interpret that lots of the way you were both kind of you didn't fit in a particular environment. And that was the that's I mean, it'd be interesting if you could both talk about that a bit, the ways in which you were hiding in plain sight in a way you're in you're in a world, aren't you? And you're 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 different. Do you know what I mean? You're, and that's what punk set you free with, yeah, didn't it? In yeah. a sense that, you know. And I also think, you know, Kid mentions in his book like that, that racial angst of, of standing between two worlds and therefore feeling, you know, and then. But people in punk bands were singing like "Outside of Society," and you're like, "Great, that's me." You know, I, I, I fit. I fit in. This is this is a home. You know, this is a new home, and you're all right. You know, you, you're accepted in this home. You know, and even in England, there was a, you know that punks were sort of all about sort of like embracing reggae. So there was an idea that you know the door was open for black people, even though there wasn't many black punks. But it was still a kind of you know rather than everything that was going on at the time, like with the national front and all that sort of stuff you were still sort of there was a nod you know that you were that this was we were all in this together which was fantastic yeah 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 that was really great about the los angeles punk scene it was was that there was no divide you know of queer of race you know i mean los angeles is a you know very huge uh, um chicano mexican-american uh um, population and um that we were allowed you know rock was a white world you know rock definitely before punk rock was a white world and maybe even after but um but we were accepted into into the white world, <laughs> you know. But no, it was it was the ground the ground it was leveled, you know. Everything everything got leveled, and yeah, I really did love and appreciate that. Um, you know, that was the thing. Yeah, reggae, reggae and punk, you know, hand in hand, dub reggae and punk. You know, it was, and it made complete sense to me. Out the outsider. The experimentation of it, uh, and the uh, it's the music of the lumpen proletariat, the, the people. You know, it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't music of the stars. You know, it wasn't. It was music for 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 people in your neighborhood. Yeah. You know, and within that, there's also a freedom to create however you wanted to create, and people would be. It's uh, okay would make observations about that rather than, you know, because you were still part of this, I don't like the word movement so much, but the, the extended kind of family within that, you could do whatever, you, you know, and people go, oh, right, that's cool. That's interesting. You know, yeah. there wasn't the, the, the sort of rules of like, well, if you don't do it this way, then that's not right, you know, which was very, I think that big rock, Big white rock world, as you call it, and Rick James. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> it was all about being very strict about these things. I don't know, but there's, I don't know. For me, I think in a Brit, the British sense, there, there was a there was a bleeding through of some of the things that I'd been passionate about before then. And I know certainly for you, you know, as a 15 year old, I'm the same for you as a 15 year old. And you know, we're not white, but we're dressing and dancing like Brian Ferry. 
every mm-hmm. week in the exactly. same club because there's a, a Bowie yeah. room and a Roxy room and he would go yeah. <laughs> from one to the other in the middle of Manchester, you know, like, all right, yeah, all right, kids, yeah, yeah. It's fucking great, that both ends burning, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. All that, you know, there's some of those things would bleed in. I think they've become more of a, you know, we all now know that that, that sort of, in an art way, fueled also what we're going because they those things were free in themselves as much as they could be um that i don't know if that was just an Eng- english thing because we i guess for us it was like bands were coming through from america you know and that's so that's you could you know but you could still go and see iggy pop you know you could still go and see david bowie you could still you know mm-hmm. so those things i guess came in later as part of like a, a a nod to where things had come from in a certain way yeah it was about ideas, wasn't it? Like, it it was about was ideas that. as much as anything else, you know. Like, yeah. oh, idea was king. I think. Yeah, <laughs> in, in that, in that, in that sense, if you had good ideas, it was a pretty good that you were might get noticed, yeah. you know. Um, and that was the thing is that with Jeffrey Lee Pierce, I saw oh no uh, drought of ideas here, you know. We were very sure of what we wanted to do, you know. Um, there was vision. I guess that's the word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, is, yeah, is yeah, vision, yeah. and it was a conglomeration of many things. You know, uh, Jeff, Jeffrey was a, a reggae writer and enthusiast. He was an enthusiast, uh, and um, and we loved. You know, we had been to New York and seen the the New York No Wave. You know, at this time, and and for us, the British groups always came through starting in glam you know i was seeing everyone you know through uh you know from this, you know uh, let's say sparks american band um but they were british band they at the were, time they did, <laughs> very, they did seem very british. i was like what do you mean they're american no, yeah and um, this house ain't big enough but, for both of but 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 bowie bowie mott you know all, all of all of that yeah. and then into into dr feelgood mm. and sensational x harvey band that was incredible Cotton, you saw that. Steve Harley. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, really so, incredible. You know, they were so I was lucky to see them at a festival when I was like 15. And I, I just, yeah, from that day forward, I thought, oh my God, this is just incredible. Zal Clementson with his makeup and the songs, which I kind of guess they're rooted in a blues tradition. But, you know, and Alex Harvey, I just thought it was unbelievable. Yeah. No, that 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 can't be understood. No, it can't that, be actually. That that because that had a huge influence, and it was definitely a cross Amen. into something, into something so visceral and earthy exactly. and way in outer space at the same time. I probably still you know, do it. Attempt a cover version of the Faith Healer like every uh, every couple of years. I go, maybe, yeah, it's, time so, to, maybe it's time to pull out the Faith Healer. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> it's informed what you do, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. And all the people you've worked with and all the work that you've done mm-hmm. as solo artists, it, it's all been informed mm-hmm. by that kind of theoretical sounds a bit boring. You know, ideas, ideas and concepts mm-hmm. and, and vision. And style rather yeah. than rather than what the what the root note is or whatever that might be yeah you know, that, that kind of thing yeah which, which I, st- I mean i still don't know <laughs> no i don't i have no idea <laughs> but that yeah which i think is where the where the good stuff comes from yeah. exactly isn't it yeah. i mean i mean I, I love i mean 
what I'm interested in as well for, for for people that maybe haven't read the books. I mean, there are some there's some great stories in the books that I wouldn't mind mind you sort of. Uh, I mean, for example, I I really I'd be interested, kid, if you could tell us about your audition for the Cramps. I I love your audition for the Cramps. It's a fantastic way. Of, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well. Uh, the uh, Cramps, you know, I was a huge fan of the Cramps, and I had gone to New York on the Greyhound bus for three days just to, you know, make sure I got to see this kind of band. My friend had written me a letter about, you know, we did probably didn't even make long-distance phone calls. It was like letter writing. And um, a friend said, you have to see this band, the Cramps. It's just the most incredible thing you've ever seen. And... I was like, I'm getting on a bus and I'm going to New York, you know, which was a three day trip from Los Angeles. And um, and so I, I saw them and in one second was converted on the spot, you know, um, and, and the gun club were a uh, were definitely influenced by the cramps. You know, you know, to say we were a spinoff of the cramps is not probably a far off thing, you know, but that was a main inspiration. You know, at the time, you know, there was a, someone mixing rockabilly with psychedelic music was just mind blowing. You know, nowadays you see a million examples of this, but then it was just, it was just, it didn't exist, you know. Um, but anyway, so the Cramps, I'd been playing guitar for one year in the gun club and we were, and someone, some friends of mine, suggested they were looking for a guitar player brian gregory had skulked off in the middle of the night with their van and all their equipment <laughs> and uh and and they were looking for someone and they were relocating to los angeles and so they were uh, came someone suggested they go see this band the gun club and they said oh that crazy fan of yours is there and uh, and they have a song about ivy and blah, 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 you know and uh and so they came and uh, actually I just got my hands on an audio tape that uh, Lux Interior taped our show. You know, that was his scouting, you know. And so he, he uh, made a cassette tape of our show and that actually just fell into my position weeks ago. Um, and um, he, uh, they, so one day I get a call that said, oh, we want to come over and talk to you. And I was like, okay. And I came over to my house and, um, and I, they said, uh, we want to know if you want to be in the cramps. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And they said, um, okay, what would you sacrifice? Yeah. I said, oh, do I audition? Do I go, do you want me to come to audition or what? And they said, no. And I said, I said, well, then uh, what do we do next? And he said, well, we have to ask you one question. And I, I said, and, and Ivy said, what would you sacrifice to be in the cramps? And I said, I don't know, like uh, relocate, uh, quit my band, uh, do something, you know, quit going to college, you know, what, what would I do? And, and they said, no, nothing like that. They said, you want to know if you'd cut off a finger <laughs> to be in our band? And I said, I play guitar with one finger, so if I got <laughs> rid of one, it wouldn't be such a bad thing. So, um, so, uh, so yes, I would do that to be in your <laughs> band. And they said, okay, you're in our band. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I, I love how lateral that is. It's great. <laughs> I mean, but I got to keep the finger. <laughs> but, and also, the, what are the chances of them moving to California? You know, moving, I know. moving next door and then going, oh, and you'd and they'd heard about your bet, and then you, all those little things that we used to call coincidence, which we know doesn't actually exist anymore. That's just the way it was going anyway. But that's incredible. Yeah, it's word of mouth. It's your. It's actually again, again, your friends who believe in you said, "Hey, go see this guy." Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Next thing and, is you're and, in, all fingers yeah. intact. I was going to ask. I was particularly embarrassed, but I noticed there was a a really strong thread running through, but a very subtle thread of the kind of the incidences of racism that just kind of go in in, mm. in life mm. in that way that it's. The Nick Cave story is, is really painful of the, the song from the first album, and it's just I remember listening to it at the time and thinking, "Ouch!" Do you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you know, you're you're there in the room, and it's like I think I think that was a really powerful thing because that's not what this book's about at all. But I I think it's really powerful the way that I mean in kids' book too, the way yeah. that th- those those issues are are obviously ever present. And they, they, yeah. They're included, yeah. but they're still ever present. Which maybe I'd be interested if you talk about that. It's, it's complicated, obviously. I know it's. I think it's it's really complicated because I think at the time as well, uh, the lack of a voice, there's the lack of support for any kind of, for want of a better word, equality and a way to say like, well, hang on a minute, that's not right. And can you reframe that in another, you know, that none of that, because you're bombarded, I mean, you know, you're bombarded uh, throughout the media and everything that, 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 that this way to be is okay and that you are in fact a second class citizen you know and like where you're watching television programs with your family called love thy neighbor you know where you know the guy the main actor will walk in and talk about wogs and coons and everyone laughs and this sort of stuff and then you know so you're kind of like okay and you're trying to navigate this this way through the subtlety as well because I also experienced quite a lot of people felt kind of threatened in certain way. That that would be the first port of call to go to to remind you. And there was, and I think mo- the most uh, powerful thing was was the was I felt certainly was the lack of voice around that. And that causes almost like a, another area of grief and trauma because it, it kind of goes in there in this way of like you're not letting out what you need to let out. And I think for myself, I try and take that in the book to its uh, dark conclusion, you know, uh, as well as other things that are informed by that to, to, to go to a, a point almost of the, is he going to come back, you know? And, and I try to almost observe myself as the character in the book that's going through all that sort of stuff. And that was very much how I kind of lived as well in order to not have to feel the way this stuff was affecting me and the way it was going on to, you know, that whole thing. I mean, I used to be told, turn a blind eye, just turn a blind eye. Whereas now it's like, you know, do something quite the opposite, you know, and it just doesn't happen. You know, I don't, so that, but anyway, and it does actually sometimes, you know, but I, I can have, I can stand there now and say this, you know, this is, you know, and shout the kind of things that I need to to shout. Whereas before, you know, I, I'd, I'd already had kind of incidents that were suppressing me. So I was used to this idea of suppression. And, and I, there's a, oh, a strange English nobility about that that I wasn't even entitled to have, 
which I used in this way, and then possibly you know dressed it in this other way. Yeah, oh, very. It's, a, it's. I mean, it's a lot to. I mean, you know, I know for kids as well. That similar parallel throughout the book as well, and then and you're trying to take something in being the outsider's outsider but it, it, inside you're kind of like holding it together it's you know very, very difficult and very uh, and i wanted to bring those things out i, I actually discussed this a lot with, with people and said should i and they went absolutely absolutely you should but even then you're kind of going oh i'm so disloyal i'm so this is why it never worked out you're always the moaning about it it's not at all i was just saying Here's my insides. I'd just like you to look at them because they make me up, you know, in some way. So, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, we both grew up, you know, it comes with the color of our skin, you know, uh, that we grew up uh, knowing, you know, second-class citizen, outsider, uh, American. I'm uh, My parents are born in America, you know, uh, and uh but they came from immigrant parents you know mexican parents and uh they had a hard time you know they they had a hard time assimilating and i think we were raised in my family to assimilate you know be proud of your culture be proud of your race and we when you're at grandma's house everyone's speaking spanish and playing mexican music and to, and being a mexican clan you know uh not Ku Klux Klan, but uh, Mexican, <laughs> Mexican, yeah, a clan atmosphere, like an Irish clan. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, sorry, I couldn't help myself. Um, and, uh, and, and the, uh, and, um, but that you were, I was aware of their struggle, you know, and that, that completely, colored my view of myself and my world, you know, and my neighborhood and growing up and, uh, and that, you know, I was, I was, I was, yeah, like Barry said, am I a traitor? Like, what am I, you know, I, I, I grew up completely assimilated into American, you know, mostly white culture and, uh, and wanted that, you know, and, and became, you know, with music and Anglophile and, you know, you know, this was my whole, you know, uh, trip. And I don't think it was any kind of conscious betrayal of my race, but also it, but it caused a lot of confusion and self-doubt about that, you know, about, you know, and it, it made me question what I am what am I doing? What am I doing? And, you know, very often, like, you know, for one in this straight world, and what am I doing in this, in this straight white rock world? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but, but I, but I, went, I just went ahead <laughs> and did what I was doing. But also I knew the art and the, the, the music was what I was there for, you know, and, uh, and I don't want to count myself a victim in any kind of way of uh, of my 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 own makings of of, of what even could be um, I don't want to say self hating because that's a bit extreme, but self doubting. You know my my allegiances to my uh, race or sexuality or uh, 
or you know and actually know what it was i was confused <laughs> i was just you know i grew up very confused very sure and very confused at the same time this is the thing is that you know i'm sure i am a gay man i know i'm attracted to men this is a young age and i and you know david bowie you know did liberate me <laughs> into like believing that that was an okay thing you know and um and but then later i got very confused about it later you know it was funny i was flamboyant and out as a, a young person and then i became this weird this weird self uh a little bit of self-hating a lot self-hating and um <laughs> And really trying to fit in. I wanted to fit in with whatever situation I was thrown into. I was lucky with the gun club and the cramps. You know, um, these are sexually very free people, you know, who are, you know, the the weirder, the better, the, the freakier, the better. You know, show it, show it all, you know. Nick Cave and the Batsy's not so much, but... Uh, and, and that caused a lot of confusion in me. I think me and Barry both kind of struggled in there, you know. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, we were just thrust into a world that was, uh, for me, I'd been in these kind of very free kind of worlds, you know, and I was just freaking out and going all over the world and freaking out and having a good time and being this crazy thing. And, um, and then when I got in the bad seeds, it was... Uh, a little more like, oh, what do I do here? Like, I was in a band with people I didn't know. I was in a different, I'd moved to Berlin. I was in a country I didn't know. I was, I felt a little, I I felt very out of my depth. Um, but I was going to make a go of it. That wasn't going to stop me. And, you know, and I had, I had great admiration for the music and the art and the process and everything, everything else that was going on was so worth, seemed so worth it until I exploded or imploded. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, 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 you know, and, and, and um, you know, when I was writing the book, I'm talking about the times and then, you know, I have hindsight now and, uh, and can be proud of all of it now, you know, of what I did in, in that group. Um, but yeah, talk about that. Yeah, I was out of my racial depth. I was out of my sexual depth. I was out of my musical depth. I was just, whoa, you know, what what, what have I got myself into here? And um, drugs. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, the solution I knew would work. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. I mean, in fact, we may be moved. There's two places. One, I mean, it's interesting. In, I mean, it'd be interesting Barry's reflections on the, the very macho bad seeds as well. It didn't seem like anybody had a lot of, lot of it wasn't, didn't seem like the most comfortable environment despite being super creative. Um, but also, I, I mean, another thing, yes, which is coming over the conversation very much, which introduces is this, the idea of addiction. And, and 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 I mean, you, you mentioned mourning quite rightly, but also the you know the, the psychology of, you know, armchair psychology, all the ways in which we push things down, and then then the sort of I mean, I think the, both the stories of addiction are again valuable because they're I don't know they're in situ for want of a better word they kind of like they kind of then then you know they're not books about addiction that's what's important you know they're not it's, it's, I think that's a really really helpful yeah. thing I wonder if any either of you want to speak a bit about 
for your experience of addiction and the journey of it maybe or the journey out of it even you know well I, I, as we we've touched we both touched upon earlier the the idea of, of suppressing um uh, what was going on in, inside i think that becomes because it is it it has this it it won't go away you know and uh, <clears throat> i've heard it said that you know drugs give like a you know short term relief but have long term consequences and you just don't know that at the time all you want to be is like in with the gang like keeping your keeping up with everybody in their way because by now i think what's happened you know, addiction it's like oh great this feels great this you know i feel really good i can do anything now and I'm, I'm more you know social i'm a, i'm a kind of you know i fit in everywhere and i'm not even thinking about anything and then slowly i think what happens is that there becomes a sort of pattern of almost i think kid talked about this as well in in terms of like lo- loyalty and self-loyalty that there begins a sort of process for me anyway there was a process of self-abandonment that started on and then it was almost like the, the voice of addiction then as i call it then starts to go but that's okay we can work this out just use more drugs and so these long-term consequences are piling up and piling up and piling up so and i i try and make in my in my book i try i try and almost like sever sever myself in that uh, things are falling apart and i'm imploding and at the same time i'm trying to observe addiction at work and let the let the reader sort of see how that is for somebody without saying and i think the word victim is very important here and and i know that for both of us we've probably worked through a lot of uh, issues and processes that that see that we were accountable you know we we're, we're the ones that did it you know and did it to it you know but like but life had this way from for me from very early on you know like brushing on on sexuality you know um for, i got very confused very early on at around eight years old what i was supposed to be and where i was supposed to be and and then bowie like you know as kids said bowie came along and then for me there was a certain freedom there was a kind of hetero flexibility going on which meant i could maybe experiment a little more but i was traumatized from the age of eight so any experiment would lead me back to a place of shame which eventually the drugs would fix but then there'd be the long-term consequence because it would never go away because the very core things weren't being addressed you know, and so it goes and on it goes. And that's, I think that's how addiction is until you're able, and kid d- does this very well, you know, b- to break the cycle and to, to, to get help and for it to, to stop. There is, a, there is a, a daily reprieve, you know, there is a way to do that. And we've both been, again, for mirroring each other, fortuitous to find that you know, and to therefore look at ourselves and look at, you know, how addiction affected us and to deal with addiction as it's still never, it's still there for me. It never really goes away, never really goes anywhere, but how to live a kind of, you know, a straightforward, pretty much productive life. And that, that's, that's the way my story went with that anyway. Yeah. And I think, I think with also both of us in, um, addiction that we both did uh have major trauma you know at young ages you know at very at very uh at the very points in our lives that you know everyone else was going off and playing ball and 
and, and, and parties and we had secrets, you know, and we had trauma, you know, and we had unresolved trauma, you know, um, again, I was trying to really not, uh, this is the thing when with writing, it was really difficult. Uh, it wasn't difficult once I got the hang of it, but at first it was really difficult not to have a moral voice about it, you know, to just tell what happened, you know, and, and not throw my opinion about, but now I know, and, you know, or disclaimers. I said, I kept, my mantra was like, no disclaimers, no disclaimers, you know, just don't do it. And, um, but the trauma, um, of our earlier lives, uh, yeah, it stays with you. And and we, we did suppress it and we did turn it into, sometimes we turned it into creativity. Yeah. Oh, and and, and, and yeah. yes, yes, so our art came from it and uh, a, a very big tenacity, you know, to, uh, to go forward with whatever, uh, you know, whatever alternative path we found. Um, and... Uh, but also it was, you know, it was, uh, it, 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 that trauma can turn, turns on you. And when you go to drugs, you know, it, like you said, you become, you know, you think, oh, I'm very functional now, you know, I'm, uh, and I'm, I'm not shy anymore. I'm not shut down, whatever, you know, you, but you get more shut down. Uh, yeah. That's just the thing is that I ended up turning to stone practically, you know, and, um, and that what scared me was the, my loss of passion and my loss of anything, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I'm in this amazing situation and I've, have all this great proof that my life is great and I don't feel any of it, <laughs> you know, and I really loved in Barry's book that you had the, um, the crow, the, the vulture, vulture. Yeah. the vulture, the vulture the as your addict. Yeah, yeah. the vulture. That was brilliant. Oh my god, Barry, that was Thank so you. brilliant. And I completely related to it. Yeah. I got immediately got it. You know, and it was so visual and so right on about addiction. You know, and trauma. He, you he, know, he's it, he's going. See, they like me more than they like me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, no, no. Uh, but but yeah, that that was so brilliant, and it's exactly the way I, I experienced it as well. It was like, it, because it's like, you don't have anyone else to talk to about these things, you know, you're, and you don't, uh, and you do see it, you know, and I've, my, my friend Patty, uh, you know, um, had, had a, a thing that addiction, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the exorcist, <laughs> you know, you're possessed and someone's saying your mother sucks cocks in hell, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, and you're, you're throwing up green bile. This is actually not far from the truth, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, you, but, but yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, okay, you've been replaced, mm. you know, you've been replaced and you are alone and you are, uh, yeah, there's no one to talk to you about it, really. You know, when you're in, when you're in it. So the vulture, mm. that was a great a great person to talk to. It's almost like an it's almost like an external ex, externalized version of the inside of, of of the addict mind as well. You know, that that dual kind of thinking of uh, 
and picking up on what you said before about self-hatred that it's to kind of externalize that you know and whatever's going on around you know and oof, i lo- and i i really like that i mean I, it's almost like stepping out back and i like those scenes where i'm trying you know and my mother's in the room and she can't see it but i can and it's saying this stuff and i'm going like, oh jesus you know now my mom's getting affected by this you know? and of course it's all kind of just going off but uh, yeah i thought you might get that kid no it's brilliant okay. brilliant piece of work and i think it's also again very powerful the way times before you get clean the way you both of you do the classic thing of just going to score again after getting clean without even thinking about it and you i think you 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 both write that very well uh, in the sense that you you don't have a thing of like right i'm now going to do you just you just do it you get out off you go and you're down you put down the place and off you go again i think that's a very powerful and very it, it's because it's so depressing mm. and so sad mm. but so every day and i like the way in, in kids book like it's already happened before you've even made the decision <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> like, the way you put that was brilliant it's almost like you're there without even being there yet you know? yeah uh, yeah. Well, and also, and also at the time, a, a big amount of uh, denial about what's going on exists. You know, you are, this is where it's an actually mental insanity, you know, where you're, because I actually, for and for years after, I was already clean and, uh, and things, and I would read interviews with Mick and Mick Harvey and Nick and and they would say oh that time of tender prey was the darkest time in our lives and just so dark what a mess and, and I was like what are they crazy I was having a great time that's so great you know that's a Berlin that was that was the shit when I was there and and then I started writing about it and I'm like oh that was a dark time <laughs> you know but I'm like even into like years after the fact I was still in some crazy weird denial, you know, um, of it. So actually the book really helped me, you know, to see that, uh, that time was like that. And it, it was actually kind of comforting that other people saw it, you know, you know, that I, I wasn't, you know, or that everyone's just not in denial that these things didn't happen. I think in both books, interesting that both books, end pretty much at the point where you where you're beyond your addiction you know because you've both been very productive creative you've changed your position as in maybe in terms of maybe from supporters to creators i think that's really interesting we talk a little bit about the sort of post book in a sense i think or like i mean i'm talking life i'm not doing books but where you know where, where you what, what your feelings are about that because there's there's a lovely redemptive thing about both books but then, of course, there's the kind of the, the post time, which obviously is, is fantastic. And it's, you know, you're, you're, you're here, you're alive, you're well, mm-hmm. seemingly quite happy, I'm sure. You know, so, <laughs> or, or whatever, resigned enough or whatever, <laughs> whatever a, people get to <laughs> at a certain it's age. It's a whole but, other yeah. compendium. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, should write, we, should, we should write a book together. We should write a book together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Since, I tell you, uh, well, um, you know both of our books beyond i'm sure i and it's funny people say to me are you going to write you know about what's happened after that you know and i say probably not because i can see this uh, an arc from from birth to you know where i finish uh the book which which serves the purpose of of still you know being an artist and and creating and and doing something that makes this coherent story and then, you know, I don't know if I want to write a book about, well, 
took the bins out this morning and uh, <laughs> <laughs> fed the cat. Exactly. And, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, Boy, you know, didn't didn't that go great? Helped an old lady yeah. across yeah. the road. It's more so if I rob the old lady and starve yes. the cat <laughs> and yeah, sit yeah, okay. in this rubbish all around. Me. I don't know. It's just a, it's a, it's a, you know, I, I, for me, I kind of had that, you know, pseudo kind of novel novelist approach to it. I, I, I mean, I'd like to now, you know, hopefully using what I've learned from doing that is, is, is to write other stories in, in other ways. And I even thought of like an idea of writing, but putting more of myself from beyond there and the bizarre things that have happened, but assign them to other characters, if you like, you know, perhaps do something that way. I don't, I don't really want to read another memoir of mine. I, I, I got, I really felt I hit home with the points that I wanted to hit, you know. But then again, you know, I finished kids' book and, and I thought, is it only if you're going to write another one? You know, <laughs> straight up, I was doing the same thing because it, there's yeah. a beautiful kind of like, you know, it's like cinema, you know, it ends and you go, like, oh, you know, that was really great. And then you want to go, you know, and it's addict things. Well, oh, I want one more now. <laughs> you know, more, <laughs> yeah. You know, what's your drug of choice? More, you know. And I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, and I'd love to read more about, about kids like you know and it was great for me reading about what happened in the bad seeds after i left you know and then i'm oh, yes I'm exactly saying, wow how would i have fared in brazil you know <laughs> yeah you know, exactly. you know, hey nick i'm stuck in this uh, in this favela and i can't get out <laughs> they've got guns yeah. on my head i don't know what uh, you yes. know why hey how's it going <laughs> that was great to read that it was almost like a lie oh, yeah i didn't think about that you carried on yeah because i really just go straight from the day after you exactly, left exactly yeah you know yeah yeah the yeah, story goes on yeah with, with yeah. circus master mick harvey <laughs> yes <present>. exactly <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly yeah. but uh yeah and uh yeah, so yeah, that 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 was funny. Oh, and the after effect. Um, I'm trying to think about it. What happened since then? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but well, well, well. The the thing the thing is the thing is that after that, I had to start doing solo work. You know, because uh, there was no one left to do anything mm, with. You know, same here. <laughs> my main my main collabor my main collaborator was dead, Jeffrey. And uh, you know, cause that was always my thing. It was like in actually at his at his uh you know, in his last days we were talking about doing something else, you know, uh, you know, eventually. And so I kind of always had that to go to and he was always my springboard for different things. Uh, as much as I wanted to, you know, run away from him, I also, you know, counted on him and 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 uh, and, uh, and um, enjoyed his counsel and um, you know different things. You know, um, if you can imagine being counseled by Jeffrey, um, and uh, <laughs> enjoyed his counsel. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> from count from counsel to cancel. Yeah. Um, but um, counsel culture. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, but it was yeah, it was our creative life, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and and but you know, I moved from being the guitar player to the main singer, and I was like, wow, you know, and I learned, I learned very fast. Nobody wants to hear 
the guitar player sing. <laughs> Nobody, no one wants that. No one wants. They don't even want Keith Richard to do it. <laughs> you know, and um, so there was a long, a long learning it's curve. A, it's a process. Yeah. Same for me. There was a long process of learning that. Yeah, I had to, and I had to. I had to be patient, and I had to put. I had. I knew I had to put up with it. You know. I knew I had to put up with reviews of the first record saying, he doesn't sing like Nick Cave. He doesn't sing like Lux Interior. You know, he he doesn't write the Jeffrey Lee Pierce uh, ballad, you know. And it, and, and so it, it was a, a lot of, you know, standing my own ground. I think the self-discovery until, period, though, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, the, yeah. that's where it's like, okay, you're on your own. You know, you're not going to use again, you know you're going to go forward with these things that you want to do within yourself. And then there's a continual, and the self doubt does come back then, you know, it's like, you know, you put down the drugs and realize why you took them in the first place. And yeah, <laughs> and then you're, you're you know, 100%. But you've got to do then what, what society does, which is be patient and learn and have humility about this and learn your crap, you know, like work on it. And I remember going to a studio for five years every day and just, if I if I wrote like two synthesizer notes to be a film composer, if I wrote like two synthesizer notes on one day, it was enough, you know. But I just had to go every day and do something, you know, to to at least make this sort of noise that I thought would work in a film or something like that, you know. But and the old me probably would have gone ah, pff, don't worry about that, get loaded, and then you know, and then kill myself in terms of like not the ambitions that I wanted to fulfil never be fulfilled you know and go back to that old thing of like kids said of denial you know and just go like yeah it's all right and then you know what watch those dreams kind of drain themselves down the plug hole you know yeah maybe we should write books (laughs) i know and that and i was so people go like oh listen you know uh, aren't you afraid of getting bored being you know without drugs i'm like well 24 7 stark raving mad reality yeah. is cr- crazier than any acid trip yeah. you will ever take you know 100 <laughs> percent. i think that's a good that's a good that's a good that's a good bumper sticker that isn't it that's yeah. exactly right that's exactly right but uh but it's, it's it's very true but um yeah so yeah yeah i guess the the chapter after was you know making ourselves mm. into our into what we are today yeah yes and um yeah and about writing more i've been having i was thinking i don't want to write another memoir either that was grueling (laughs) and and it was over 10 years i was writing yeah i started well from my first scribble to uh to to do it to, to publication but um i've been thinking about like all these things i didn't put in yeah and most of it, like, I'm like, oh, there's so many, uh, like, a, maybe essays I need. I just need to write essays. You know, That's, I have that certain, same certain effect. Pe- certain, certain people, certain things, you know. Uh, I have a really big thing, and this is another trauma and survivor's guilt about, you know, the AIDS epidemic. I had so many friends die and so many great, what great people they were. So I was like, oh, maybe I should start writing essays about these people. And that could be a book perhaps, you know, um, 
Yeah, so there's a, there's all kinds of ideas. yeah. It's but yeah, it's gone from me now, kid. I, obviously, you know, my my book came out a year ago, but I was plagued by the things I didn't put in, mm-hmm. and uh, it was. I, but I think it's an effect of of putting a book out, an after effect. It's like a post mortem. You know, it's like yeah, you, you, yeah. you say all this great stuff, and then something, perhaps a small vulture, <laughs> like comes and goes. Yes. But what about this? You didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and you didn't do that. You know, yeah. and I I felt. You know, in my experience, that faded a little bit over time. And then, like you say, the first sort of ideas about, oh, that could come in an essay or that could come as a, I could put that characterization in this other world, you know, yeah, anything but right, way. but not yeah. write another memoir, you know. Um, don't think we need to do that. I don't know. That's how it affected me anyway. Good. I'm- all right, we can finish up with a really corny question, which I, which I was the, 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 the old, the, that old chestnut of what would you tell your 20-year-old self? 20-year-old self? Hmm. I still had a, a shred of hope then. Hold on to the shred. <laughs> I, was a, I thought I was a cool cat still at 20. Yeah, but 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 like you said, there was always those areas of self doubt. You know, I, uh, something about self belief and wearing more velvet, maybe. You know, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah, I would say um, get laid more often. There you go. <laughs> use your youth. Can be a you, time. You, you use your youth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's like St. Augustine, isn't it? The, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, really, no, really enjoyed both the books. Beautiful, Thank you. really. And, 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 Thank you. It was, it was yeah, it, it's a pretty strange experience speaking to you because obviously I, I feel like I know you incredibly well. Yeah, exactly. No, lovely. I hope um, we yeah, might make music been, uh, together as well. I forgot about that. I know. Yes, this is, this we, is, have, I, we have an we idea. Never got to we that. we exactly. have something yes. to uh, yes. go on. We have a journey. We should speak yes. about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. we will. Yeah. Let's yes, do I'm, it. I'm, cool. My apologies. I did. That was. I did. I did have a note of this. I was told this, and I forgot to put that. Really? In who, who told you that? It's a secret. It's one of our secrets. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I, I sensed it. We're as sick I as our secrets. <laughs> I sensed yes. it. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, that'd be exciting. Be really cool. Mm. Really could cool. be really great. Good. Yeah, of course it will. All right. Of course it will. It will, yeah. <laughs> it will. I mean, I, I, I don't know what I don't know what the tradition is with podcasts. How you actually ah, he's coming up. How the end is? There he is. Mix master Greg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great fun. Do you think we got enough? Yeah. 